T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, from the top, please. Item number one, report of sale 750 and 752 Broadway. This item's open. Uh, this item's open. I believe it's the Ellicott District. Most, uh, it'll be to deny. Uh, and the reason for the record is that in Ellicott, two parcels together usually goes to designated developer. Um, and that has been the process. And these two parcels should be uh, considered as designated developer first. Motion to deny. Okay, motion is to deny, seconded by Council President Pridgen. Item two, Buffalo Blizzard, December 2022. Motion to table. Motion to table, seconded by Mr. Bullman. Item three, urge reconsideration of gas stove ban to address concerns of residents in Western New York. This item's open. Um, this item's open, and uh, the item was more of an informational meeting requesting that representatives from uh, National Fuel, uh, National Grid, and New York State come in and explain uh, to the council what exactly is in the proposal by New York State, because I think all of us have had uh, meetings that we've gone to in the district, and I know in mine at the block clubs, almost every single block club, this has been brought up to me by people that are uh, concerned and have questions. And so we were hoping that we would have people here um, to discuss the resolution from the state, but unfortunately there's hearings in New York State uh, right now in Albany, and so they're unable to attend. They are, uh, I believe they've committed to come in two weeks. Um, so two weeks from today, uh, they will be here. Um, this item is technically not a public hearing, um, but we're gonna open it up and allow people to speak uh, on this item. Um, I think we have about 10 people. Uh, we normally give people three minutes to speak. Uh, there's a microphone here and here for people to come down. Um, the, uh, and just very briefly, um, the first resolve of the resolution is that the council acknowledges the need to reduce greenhouse gas emissions while also recognizing that the proposed ban on gas stoves should be in uh, could be an unnecessary overreach that could have negative consequences for working class families. Um, I want to make it clear that the council fully supports the governor's efforts to lower emissions and applaud her for taking action on this critical issue. I believe I speak for all of my colleagues. Um, if I don't, uh, they can speak for themselves when I say that reducing emissions is vital for New York, Buffalo, and our future generations. It's also our responsibility to address the concerns of our community and ensure that they are addressed appropriately. We have received an overwhelming number of calls and emails from concerned constituents who are worried about the potential impact of the current plan for a gas stove ban. Some of these concerns include the potential financial burden on renters when landlords make these updates, the uh, utility of gas stoves and furnaces in emergency situations, the quality of electric stoves in a 
commercial kitchen setting and preparations for our, our electrical grid. And speaking about the grid, um, during the last storm that we had in December, all of us uh, as council members had blocks and blocks and blocks in our neighborhoods that uh, were out of electricity. I had some parts of the neighborhood that didn't get electricity, I think, until the following Wednesday. Um, city crews were out uh, working with National Grid to try to get to the grid to fix uh, breakers that had been frozen and that had transformers that had been frozen and that were not working properly. We had to order them, or well, the National Grid had to order them. They needed the city to accompany them, though, um, to get into uh, and onto the grid. Um, these are some of the concerns that I have, and I think that my colleagues have them as well. Um, I had senior citizens that called the office that didn't have heat for several days, uh, sometimes more than several days. Uh, you know, in the city until December, I think it was the 26th on Monday, we were doing search and rescue and we were doing welfare checks. And part of the welfare checks were people that were out of electricity. I received calls uh, from residents that were not necessarily opposed, uh, you know, to the ban per se, but they asked, they said, is there a professional guarantee? Has there been a real study done um, that National Grid will be able to make sure that the, the grid stays open, especially in bad inclement weather. And obviously we've seen in the past month uh, that we've had three storms allegedly of the century. Um, and that's something that I want to know as a representative of residents in my district. You know, can, can the grid handle this? Um, or is there going to be a problem? And if there is going to be a problem, are we going to have the attitude that, well, you have to break eggs in order to make an omelet? Um, you know, I'm not going to have that position. I want to make sure that the residents in my district are safe. Um, I want to make sure that the grid is able to uh, work properly if everybody in the region is uh, forced, quite honestly, to be on the grid. Um, I realize that it's being done for positive and good reasons, but I just don't know right now if the grid can handle this. Um, and that's why the resolution was uh, printed in the first place to try to get professionals in here and to get these answers. I don't want it answered emotionally. I want it answered professionally. I want it to be answered so that the people that live in my district are going to be assured that if everything is moved to the grid, that the grid is going to be able to handle it, that there won't be uh, um, problems in the near future. Um, so I'd like to last emphasize that there is no public hearing on this topic at today's meeting. However, we as a council are allowing the individuals who have requested an opportunity to speak ahead of time to address this topic, and they have been given a three-minute time limit, which is traditional here on the council. Uh, I urge everyone to listen carefully to the speakers and to keep an open mind as we continue on this important discussion. Thank you. Um, staff, could you call the people, please? So we have speakers to my left and to my right, microphones, uh, and we're going to just call out three at a time. We'll start with Don Wells Clyburn, followed by Chris Murawski and Eve Shippens. Hello. Thank you for um, allowing us to speak here. I'm Don Wells Clyburn. I represent Push Buffalo and New York Renews. Um, I just wanted to speak to um, what the council uh, recommended or the resolution. Um, I just wanted to make sure that um, the council calls to, uh, as the council calls to pause the implementation of the CLCPA, which was a law, excuse me, I got to take this off, <laughs> which was a law that was passed in 2019 and ask you to reconsider um, the transition, uh, to, tr to reconsider to transition away from fossil fuels and other harmful forms of combustion in our homes and buildings. This is an effort um, that really marginalizes communities further, and we've been harmed historically and continue to be harmed by the pollution and by environmental racism and ec uh, economic exploitation at the hands of the fossil fuel industry. Um, we would like to hold investor-owned utility corporations accountable Missing from the council's resolutions adopted last week is a recognition that the CLCPA represents a potentially transformative tool to empower frontline and BIPOC communities, in particular, to lead a just transition to a renewable economy. 
The CLCPA mandates that 35 to 40 percent of climate and clean energy investments directly benefit members of disadvantaged communities and low-income households across New York State. These include investments in weatherization, rooftop and community solar, clean heating and cooling equipment, like air source and ground source heat pumps, green jobs trainings for youth and for disadvantaged workers, community-led outreach programs, like NYSERDA's Regional Clean Energy Hubs Initiative that PUSH will lead right here in Western New York. Due to our advocacy and efforts by other local organizations, as well as efforts uh, by state, stateside coalitions like New York Renews, the state is now targeting um, investments to disadvantaged communities. With federal funding from the Inflation Reduction Act and the, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act being released this year, we have an opportunity to capture these investments in order to grow access to and participation in the renewable energy economy, relieve household energy burdens, and increase affordability, and improve the health and resiliency of frontline communities. The CLCPA, as its name suggests, also protects environmentally overburdened communities from suffering additional harms and exacerbating existing climate vulnerabilities. Section 7.3 of the CLCPA explicitly prohibits issuance of permits, licenses, and other administrative approvals and decisions that would disproportionately burden disadvantaged communities. Section uh, 7.3 also applies to all state government and provides our communities with a powerful tool to defend against the fossil fuel infrastructure as well as economic development strategies that would create pollution hotspots or increase greenhouse gas and co-pollutant emissions in BIPOC and low-income communities. In this moment, we need elected officials at every level of government to join our communities in fighting to ensure that CLCPA and complementary federal investments are accelerated in disadvantaged communities and that implementation is equitable. The Council's resolutions risk creating further delay and confusion around a local response to the intersecting crises of climate change, economic inequality, and racial justice. Okay, can you wrap up, please, the three minutes? I That's it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Next, please. Next up is Chris Moroski, followed by Eve Shippens and Rawa Germazian. Good afternoon, and thank you to Chairman Councilman Golumbic for the opportunity to speak. It's much appreciated. My name is Chris Morowski, and I'm Executive Director of the Clean Air Coalition of Western New York, and we're also part of New York Renews Coalition, and we're a community organization who organizes community members to run and win public health and environmental justice campaigns. Uh, first, I'd like to thank the committee for your past resolutions in support of climate action, such as the declaration of a climate emergency. Um, however, I'm just here to speak in opposition, I think, mostly to the wording of the resolution being discussed. Uh, we believe the title of the resolution is misleading as to what the issue is. And we all know, you know, we need to reduce our total emissions across the state uh, to prevent more extreme weather events, reduce air pollution, do all the things we need to do to fight climate change. Buildings account for the highest percentage of emissions at 32%. And the proposed plan calls for a phase out of new gas connections for new builds only, you know, beginning in 2025. Um, this is not a ban on existing gas stoves for residents or businesses <clears throat> as we see it. Um, and then look, I get the concerns. Um, I'm, I'm not surprised that you're having many concerns about it because they're valid and there's a lot of confusion on the issue and a lot of misinformation going around. And I live in the Niagara District and I lost power for 48 hours. I was huddled around my gas stove during the blizzard as the only source of heat. Um, but this is not about trying to take away anyone's gas stove today. Uh, this is about tackling the climate crisis. And we believe the fossil fuel industry, or we know the fossil fuel industry, is utilizing the focus on gas stoves as a wedge issue to just try to disrupt any emission reductions efforts. Um, I would ask the council to just look at this crisis holistically and don't get caught up in like the culture war, while still you know acknowledging that people's concerns are valid. Uh, we would urge the council to support moving forward on building electrification, and we believe what is proposed is feasible by 2025. And I would highly recommend the committee to review the out of gas study that was conducted by We Act for Environmental Justice. They're an environmental justice group um, in the New York City area. 
um, and we can provide uh, the resources to take a look at that. And none of this is going to be easy or straightforward due to the fact that we've waited so long to acknowledge climate change and take action thanks to the efforts of the fossil fuel industry to disrupt and delay everything. Um, so it's not going to be easy, but we would urge the council to focus on, you know, the changes we can make locally that are under our control. And also we would recommend hearing, like, like you said, hearing directly from NYSERDA um, and the folks on the Climate Action Council. And Clean Air is actually hosting a conversation with um, Samir Ranad of NYSERDA on April 13th. And he's the Climate Justice Advisor and part of the member of the um, Climate Action Council. So we would invite you to join us or else you know, connect with him directly. And also recommend continuing to hear from organized labor as there are valid concerns about how we transition the jobs to clean energy, uh, listen to the concerns of small business and restaurant owners as those are, like I said, completely valid. We do have some time in this transition, um, so please let's all work together to find a way to solve this. And happy to forward along some resources to the committee and uh, continue the dialogue. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Next. Next up is Eve Shippens, followed by Rawa Germatsayan and Franchelle Parker. Hi, I'm Eve Shippens. I'm a resident of North District, a homeowner of a multi-unit -pro property there, and an environmental science teacher. When I first heard about the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act, I too was concerned about implementation and the impact conversion would have on property owners like me. In the past seven years, I put in five brand new high efficiency gas heating systems, two tankless gas hot water systems, and three gas stoves on my property. While I'm concerned about another financial investment, I'm also concerned about our environment, and according to the CLCPA, updating my house is a long way off. The phasing in starts with new builds and incentives to property owners through energy grant programs like NYSERDA. The blizzard showed us how vulnerable most residents are with the current outdated infrastructure. Many people are afraid of losing their gas stoves as a heating source during an emergency such as we just had. However, even with gas stoves, people still froze to death in their homes, and properties were still damaged by bursting water pipes. Gas stoves are also a carbon monoxide hazard when they're run continuously. And it's our overuse of fossil fuels that is fueling the climate change and increased occurrences of deadly extreme storms in the first place. The switch to green energy is necessary and decades overdue. It is an overhaul of, so is an overhaul of the outdated infrastructure in Buffalo that puts so many at risk. We can't stay in the past. Every big transition had opposition and obstacles, like removing lead from gasoline, recycling, and wearing seatbelts. We must ensure that we are prepared. I recently toured the Northland Training Center where they are training people for family sustaining jobs in the green industry poised to rebuild our infrastructure to one that is not dependent on fossil fuels. We need to make sure that one, our residents are trained and ready for these jobs in this growing industry. Two, homeowners and small businesses receive assistance to cover the cost of the transition. Three, we need to bury electric wires because we know that severe storms will only increase in frequency. And four, we need to make sure the city develops a comprehensive emergency plan so residents are not stranded without heat, medical assistance, policing, firefighting, or the ability to attend school or use public transit for a week every time we have more than six inches of snow. Councilmen, I urge you to shift your attention to preparing businesses and residents for full implementation of the CLCPA and roll back your support of any slowdown or false solutions presented by the fossil fuel industry. Our planet is in distress and fixing the crisis is an emergency. As the Greek proverb goes, a society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they, they know they shall never sit in. Thank you. Next up is Rawa Germatsian, followed by Franchelle Parker and Robert Sileski. Good afternoon. My name is Rawa Germatsian. Before we get started, I brought this to demonstrate for you. It's an induction oven cooktop that we actually take around our community members, cook whatever types of food that they cook so that we can show them how it actually works. It's not very hard, and it's actually much better for you. All right. That said, and if any of you want a cooking demonstration, bring your good old recipes and we promise to cook for you. How's that? 
So as I said, my name is Rawa Gurmatsian, and I'm a member of the New York State Climate Justice Working Group. We've been charged with creating the definition and criteria for a disadvantaged community in the climate law that mandates 35% with the goal of 40% of all clean energy funds to go to disadvantaged communities. We agreed on 45 criteria points that include race, health outcomes, income, proximity to pollution sites, and redlining maps, just to name a few. Almost all of Buffalo, outside of Allentown, Elmwood Village, and Parkside, are considered a DAC due to climate change vulnerability and persistent socioeconomic disparities. What I'm holding in my hand is the resolution that the Common Council adopted on March 21, 2017, formally supporting the New York State Climate and Community Protection Act, the CCPA, sponsored by Rinko, Rivera, and Golumbic. The CCPA, which passed with a slight name change to the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act in June of 2019. Now, I understand that the same council members are requesting a pause on all of these mandates. And unfortunately, using the talking points from national fuel and fossil fuel interests that have been used to try and undo the CLCPA since it passed, to undermine the CAC scoping plan adoption that happened over the last couple of years, and after failing in those attempts, have started a campaign across municipalities and all over New York State. I'm asking y'all, please do not fall for the dirty tricks of the corporate fossil fuel interests. Instead, work with us on the ground because we have a lot of the solutions and we're actually implementing them in many parts of our communities. You're, and you're seeking expert advice from fossil fuel industry who has had record-breaking profits, all the while, while they're killing the planet and the people. Let me just tell you, gas stoves are gonna go down in history as the lead paint of our generation. Gas stoves are the lead paint of our generation. Induction cooktops and range shops generally outperform every other kind of range and consumer report tests. In fact, every induction stove tested delivers fast cooktop heat and superb simmering. With the Inflation Reduction Act rebate, you could effectively get one of the top-rated electric ranges from consumer report tests for just a couple of hundred dollars or less. Consumer Report explains how buying a heat pump for your home could get you thousands of dollars in federal tax credits and state rebates, as well as new and used EVs. Rather than expending our energy again on falling for the dirty tricks and scare tactics of fossil fuel interests, I'm humbly asking you, that you work with those of us on the ground who have real solutions for how to create a more climate resilient and healthy community. We know that change is hard. We agree this transition will be hard, but New York State and Buffalo are well positioned to make this transition and take advantage of the bipartisan infrastructure law, the Inflation Reduction Act, and Justice 40 mandates, which will provide the money needed to implement the CLCPA using an equity approach. Thank you. Thank you. Next up is Fran Shell Parker, followed by Robert Siselski and Diane Sierzak. Thank you, Mr. Gwumbik and Council Persons. Um, I'm Bob Siselski, and I live in North Buffalo. I'm an attorney and also a volunteer co-chair of the Energy Committee of the New York State Sierra Club. In discussions with your office, we understood that the purpose of the passing of this resolution, and I'm referring to the gas stove resolution was to have the state and its scientists explain certain parts of the state budget proposal concerning stoves. However, the resolution itself is much more strongly worded, and to us at least, based upon erroneous information. And that goes double for the other uh, resolution which asked for a pause of the CLCPA. The governor's proposal concerning stoves and her budget message is that only newly constructed homes will be all electric, well insulated, and weatherized to save energy in both summer and winter, and heated by electric heat pumps. Heat pumps are currently in use in northern Maine and the Adirondacks, and these are air-to-air -air heat pumps, and operate reliably and successfully. Hot water tanks, washers, dryers, stoves, and other appliances would all operate on electricity. Well-insulated homes stay quite warm even during power outages. Currently, 68% of the stoves and ovens nationwide are electric. We do not see how this state's proposal will have to have new build, homes newly built 
covered by electric in any way harms the city of Buffalo or its residents. The Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act, which is mentioned in the resolution, passed the legislature in 2019 with large majorities in both houses. You supported that resolution, that, that act. The act emphasizes the imminent threat of climate change to our state and the need to significantly reduce human-caused greenhouse gas emissions. The goals of the CLCPA are also mentioned in your resolution. Methane heating for gas for buildings, no matter how securely delivered through pipelines, when combusted, releases at least 60% of the carbon dioxide of burning coal or, or gas or oil. While gas companies attempt to deliver methane heating gas through pipelines without leakage, the nationwide leakage of methane from drilling and compression exceeds 2%. Methane itself is 86 times more potent than carbon dioxide and trapping heat in the atmosphere. Methane gas must be phased out of all our heating systems or we will lose our efforts to control climate change. Fears concerning home heating in light of the December 2022 blizzard are being used to cripple the, or stop the state's reaching its climate goals. There appears to be two major reasons to us for the outages, the electric outages in the December blizzard. The December storm has been noted as the most severe blizzard in the continental U.S., which occurred below the 5,000 feet in altitude. 79 mile per hour winds exceeded the blizzard of 77, and I was there. It is evident that this storm was aggravated by climate change caused by burning fossil fuels. Ironically, the storm is now being used as in an attempt to maintain the use of fossil fuels throughout the state. Secondly, the major portion of the long-term power outages in the city were caused by the failure of three older substations, which were not built to withstand the winds and snow of the blizzard. Coupled with the above-ground exposed electric wires and transformers, this was an emergency waiting to happen. My suggestion would be that efforts be made by the Common Council in conjunction with the county and state officials to revamp our electric transmission system with solid, well-built substations and installation of underground electric cables for electricity. We need a stronger electric grid to withstand stronger ice storms and blizzards. Concerning the resolution, we would request that it either be rescinded or redrawn to eliminate erroneous and inflammatory uh, clauses concerning the ban, and if you actually wish to have the state explain the proposal to you, then please state that more clearly. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Do we have Franchelle Parker in the house? No. Okay, so we'll go next to Diane Searzak, followed by Bill Nowak and Sarah Berger. Um, my name is Diane Searzak. I live in the city of Buffalo, and I'm on the uh, executive Committee of the Sierra Club of the Niagara Group. When I learned of the passage of these two resolutions, I was really dismayed. I uh, recently became a grandmother, and for the past 15 years, I've been working on the issue of climate change and looking at the horrible, dire predictions that are being made for um, are my granddaughters and our children's future. And we need to take action now. And I've been working on this for 15 years, trying to alert people in the area and uh, to do something about climate change. We know that this has been a problem for over 50 years and the fossil fuel industry was one of the first um, industries to learn about it, but they concealed it. And over all of these years, they've been denying that it's happening and digging their heels in and preventing us from taking action to save ourselves and to save our planet. I was dismayed to see this resolution because I know that we have a progressive um, legislative body here in, in Buffalo. And to see the mistakes and the errors and the assumptions that are behind these resolutions was very concerning and alarming. There is, the fossil fuel industry will stop at nothing to continue to make profits at the sake of the 
future of our planet. There is no intention in the, um, in the uh, New York State law to take away anybody's stoves. And in any event, we should not be relying upon stoves in storms because that is not safe. The CDC, the county health department, all of the authorities on, on uh, poisoning recommend that you do not use um, stoves for heating. It's dangerous. Nevertheless, we know that that has happened. But in any event, it shouldn't, it is a mistake for the city of Buffalo to make a resolution that suggests stoves could be used in a storm because that's dangerous advice to be giving to people in the city of Buffalo. But aside from all of that, going back to the, the uh, climate um, law, there's no plan to take away gas stoves from anybody. And people will still be able to use their stoves well into the future. We do need to get away from building gas infrastructure because retrofitting um, houses that are not built for electricity can be difficult and more expensive. The law that we're supporting and that's already been passed is to preserve the future by beginning now to build infrastructure that will protect the planet and will be able to use renewable energy. As far as the reliability of the grid that is being, that has been built in the CLCPA, that that is going to happen as part of the transition to the electrification of New York. Finally, I'd like to um, give, pass on to the um, Common Council a story that was printed in the uh, Washington Post about the success of heat pumps in Maine. All of the arguments that we're hearing from the fossil fuel industry against the CLCPA here in Buffalo, and in, in New York State, I'm sorry, um, have been made all across the country. They were resisted in Maine um, by many, many, many homeowners, and thousands of heat pumps have been successfully um, installed in uh, Maine and now being used, and they're being uh, very enthusiastically um, um, adopted by Mainers because it saves them money on their electric bills, and they function in extreme weather. And that can, that can also happen here. So the assumption that's articulated in the resolution that uh, we don't have reliable um, appliances or grid or, or uh, the, uh, the kinds of things that we need to make electrification in New York successful is not true. We do have the technology. It's just a matter of resisting the lies and misinformation of the fossil fuel industry and adopting them. So I urge the Common Council to rescind the two resolutions um, asking for a pause in the uh, implementation of the CLCPA. And um, uh, please, please contact all of these different organizations when you're considering doing this, because the fossil fuel industry is going directly to your constituents with their lies and misinformation, and that is circling around back to City Hall. And we really need to address things with truth and honesty um, and not be misled. Thank you. Thank you. Next up is Bill Noat, followed by Sarah Berger and Nathan Feist. My name is Bill Nowak. I worked for the Common Council staff from 1988 to 2004, and then worked for the New York State Senate. For the last eight years, I was executive director of the New York Geothermal Energy Organization. Off topic, I'd like to thank the council for endorsing my friend Karima Bondi's No Mo May initiative. That was cool to see in yesterday's paper. To the topic, two points. One, part of the resolution is true and parts, parts of it are false. And two, there are people in the community with deep knowledge of climate issues. Please talk with us when things come up related to the Climate Action Plan. True, 
Burning fossil fuels in buildings produces almost one-third of New York's greenhouse gases and is the biggest single source of emissions in our state. If you read the climate plan and understand the science behind it, it is clear that if gas heating is still prevalent in 2050, we will fail to stabilize the, client, or the, the climate. In the horrific Christmas blizzard, 47 of our brothers and sisters died, most of them terrified and alone. The storm deaths were due to a climate that is becoming increasingly unstable and extreme, exactly what scientists have predicted, not because of the climate plan, which is slated to roll out over the next 27 years. False. Governor Hochul's current plan does not ban gas stoves in existing homes or in restaurants. Fossil fuel equipment is prohibited in new residential construction starting in 2026 and commercial in 2029, and that prohibition doesn't include commercial kitchens. New construction is where it's easiest and most economical to eliminate burning fossil fuels. These homes will be required by code to be very well insulated and to retain heat. Push Buffalo is building some excellent all-electric affordable buildings on the west side, and I urge you to learn more about them. The two recently passed climate resolutions will be used by fossil fuel lobbyists to push state legislators to oppose the climate action plan. Many of your constituents from the interfaith climate justice community Push Buffalo, the Sierra Club, and other bodies are very familiar with the Climate Action Plan. We hadn't heard about either of these resolutions before they're passed. This is an open invitation. Please consult with us as the council plays a role in dealing with the climate crisis. In fact, if any council member here, and I appreciate how many of you are here, I remember the, the community development meetings were not this well attended back when I was here. If any council member gives me a week's notice, I'd be happy to serve you a stir-fry dinner from a wok prepared on our electric induction stove. And, you, and then we can sit and talk energy policy for as long or as short as you like. And I'm serious. Come on down. Please remember the Christmas blizzard is part of the climate crisis and nature is just getting started. Discourage climate action and the suffering fear and death that it caused may well become the floor for what to expect in Buffalo winters. Thank you for your attention. Next up is Sarah Berger, followed by Nathan Feist. Hi, um, I'm Sarah Berger. I don't know why I got my own mic up here, um, but someone brought it to me. Um, so. Uh, thank you for letting me speak today. My name is Sarah Berger. I'm the director of sustainability at Push Buffalo, but I'm also a concerned parent of a six-month-year-old baby, baby who's going to be facing the results of the climate crisis as he grows up. You know, I think it's really important that the council takes time to learn about these laws and regulations and what the details are. And I would like to ask you to include an indoor air quality professional to your list of people that you're consulting because we know that gas stoves are harmful to our health and produce dangerous amounts of indoor air pollutants, namely nitrogen dioxide, which has been tied to causing asthma in children, exacerbating asthma in adults, and making other respiratory ailments much, much worse. We all have talked a lot about the blizzard. It was terrifying. A lot of, there was a lot of struggles, and the grid did go down. Um, and it's really important that we use our time and our resources that we have right now to make ourselves more resilient, and part of that is getting off of fossil fuels. Um, the amount of time that you spend in your kitchen, the amount of time that your family spends in their kitchen, breathing in these pollutants should be concerning and happens more often than these weather events. So when you're thinking about talking with your constituents about their concerns. Yes, their concerns are valid, but let's also think holistically about how much time we spend in the heart of our homes. Um, there's also an equity lens to this. Renters who typically have a smaller kitchen and typically don't have adequate oven ventilation are more susceptible to these pollutants because they're exposed to a larger concentration. 
Let's protect renters by passing protections that keep them safe and healthy. You know, there's been a lot of robocalls and a lot of in, inaccurate information from the fossil fuel lobby, and it's a little bit concerning the reaction that the council had to these, this false narrative. However, I can imagine if I was gonna get a call saying that my gas stove was gonna be removed from my house, I'd be scared too, but I know that's a false narrative. So I think it's really important that we're using our platform to speak truth. You know, um, I'd like to invite y'all to come and try the induction stove that we have set up in School 77 as a demo for our community. It's a really amazing stove and there's lots of benefits. It boils water faster, it's easy to clean, it does not contribute negatively to anyone's health, and it cooks really fast. So we only have so much time and resources, both in the day, in our lives, and in the world. Instead of spending effort to lift up false narratives from the fossil fuel lobby, let's spend the time creating dynamic programs that address concerns, improve indoor air quality, address equity, and the climate crisis before it's too late. Um, so I think, you know, Buffalo is a forward-thinking city, and it's time that we start thinking forward instead of looking in the past and letting the past drag us back. Thank you. Final speaker is Nathan Feist. Hi, he's on Zoom. Uh, Nathan Feist, um, resident of Buffalo. Uh, Mr. Galambek said at the top of this item that the council supports the state's emissions reduction goals. Yeah, I hope it's true, but it's belied by the fact that the council adopted Mr. Scanlon's resolution and sent the resolve to this committee. The resolution seeks to pause the CLCPA, which is just emissions reduction goals. And the pause is based on, I think, misunderstandings and misinformation. I appreciate that the council brought these resolutions based on concerns from their constituents, but the council has a responsibility to research and understand the laws and proposals that they speak on and vote on. All of the private citizens here today were able to do the research, but our council members and our legislative staff apparently were not. Last week, every council member poisoned the well with false, misleading, or irrelevant information, including a lot of consternation about things that are not in any of the state's proposals. The proposals only concern new bills, only new bills. Under the state's proposals, residents can keep gas appliances. If they want or need new gas appliances, they can replace them. If they need to move, they can move to any of the many existing structures with gas hookups. I worked in a kitchen restaurant for two years and a restaurant kitchen and have a degree in food science from Cornell University so I can speak on the science and practice of cooking on different stoves. Um, electric stoves are much more energy efficient because they operate through conduction. They transfer heat from one solid to another. Gas stoves transfer heat between a gas and a solid. So they produce a lot of heat, not just in the food, but in the whole kitchen. It's very unpleasant to work in a kitchen with industrial gas stoves. And your food heats faster on an electric stove. It's better in every way. And during power outages, electric builds perform identically to those with gas hookups. Gas furnaces don't work in power outages because they depend on electric components. And experts warn never to try heating your home with a gas stove because one, unintended flames can burn down your home. Two, gas stoves produce carbon monoxide. So if it's an unvented stove in a small place, you can die. Three, if the flame goes out in your home, uh, your home is suddenly filled with toxic, highly flammable gas. Um, the council's actions here are akin to advocating for lining our walls with asbestos because it has the potential of keeping people warm during power outages. The harms clearly outweigh any benefits. Thank you. Okay, thank you. All right, I want to thank everybody for coming down. Um, in two weeks, we will hopefully have the experts here from the uh, uh, New York State and other agencies to be able to uh, 
clarify some of the questions and misconceptions perhaps that people have. Um, so we'll uh, continue to have this item in front of us and oh. Um, well, we'll take, you'll be the last one. Thank you. My name is Ellen Cardone Banks. I lived in the city of Buffalo for over 15 years. I'm the conservation chair of the statewide Sierra Club. I know that transitions can be difficult. I remember the fights against the seatbelt requirement. People cried freedom, freedom to go through the windshield as some of my high school friends did. Car crash deaths declined immensely, though we still have tragic incidents in our city when seatbelts aren't used. When I brought my firstborn home from the hospital in the late 70s, the nurses complained that we were wasting their time fidgeting with a car safety seat. All the other mothers held their babies in the front seat. What was wrong with us? How many babies have been saved by car seats? The state government has no plan to take gas stoves out of anyone's home ever. The fossil fuel industry is lying to us again in the interest of ever greater profits. The climate law scoping plan will transition new homes to gas-free. And there is already a pause, so there's no need to call for one. The, the transition to electricity in all our homes is very gradual. Why are, is the state doing this? Two good reasons. One, climate change is real. We see it in the unprecedented swings from hot to cold, including our Christmas blizzard, our beloved moderate summers, are changing to much more frequent 90 degree plus days. We'll reach 100 soon for the first time. By the way, cold climate heat pumps and geothermal heating will also supply energy efficient air conditioning to the many Buffalonians who don't have it and will need it. Second reason, health. We have a very high incidence of childhood asthma in Buffalo. Lost school days, parents lost work days, and sometimes loss of a job, and terrifying midnight trips to the emergency room with a baby struggling to breathe. Those cozy blue flames from the gas stove are a major cause, along with emissions from fossil fuel electric plants and gas cars. Gas stoves emit carbon dioxide and nitrogen dioxide. The alternative is not a slow 20th century electric stove with glowing red coils, but a 21st century induction range. Fast, safe, efficient, and just cool. Most of us haven't seen one yet, but when you do, you may decide to make it your next choice when your gas stove needs replacing. That will be your choice. No one will force you to. No one is taking your boiler, furnace, water heater, emergency generator, or outdoor gas grill either. It will be a transition, and we and our planet will be healthier for it. On the grid, there have been very, very thorough studies showing that electrification of our homes and other buildings in New York State will not pose a significant threat to the grid. The grid is being upgraded, and as some other speakers have said, the tragic problems that happened during the blizzard were not because of the grid. They were about local, very deficient infrastructure, which needs to be fixed very rapidly. Also, um, ask your children and your teens in your family. They deeply care about climate change and are not afraid of new technology. And as my friend Bill said, ask us, the strong environmental community in western New York, the next time the fossil fuel industry sends you a fact-free and self-serving resolution. Thank you. Motion to table. Motion is to table, seconded uh, by Mr. Bowman. And once again, in two weeks, hopefully we will have the agencies here to speak on the uh, uh, specifics of this and answer some of our questions. Thank you. Next item. Item four, call for Shays Buffalo to address management issues in government-owned bu building. Motion to table. Motion is to table, seconded by uh, Council President Pridgen. Item five, create a designated lactation room in City Hall for nursing employees. Motion is to receive and file. Motion to receive and file, seconded by Mr. Ferraletto. Item six, calling on New York State to reintroduce an eviction moratorium for specific zip codes. Items open. Uh, this item's open. Mr. Wyatt has the floor, and we also have, I believe, two people to speak on this, one in person and one on uh, Zoom. Okay. Thank, thank you, Mr. Chair. And since I've put this moratorium Fourth, I've had a number of meetings with various agencies who are very much concerned about evictions. Um, so they validated what I saw as far as the percentage in a university district of 55 percent 
but what I do want to look as far more detail on why um, it's been speculated that many of these evictions are being forced because the rents are being increased. I have to get more information, but I, I give respect to my colleagues who had their concerns that we brought this to committee and we didn't just adopt. We want more information. Um, I'm going to be holding an emergency meeting um, this Thursday at the Greater Faith Bible Tabernacle, 391 Edison, from 537 with all these different agencies so that if you have, um, you're being evicted, that you have resources to address this issue. But the one thing that I wanted to make clear is that currently, um, when I put this forward, I thought there were dollars still available to residents, to landlords, to pay their rent. From what I'm understanding, there is no more program such as that. So here we are talking about 55% evictions, and there's no money for those landlords or for the tenants in these situations. So I'm very, very, very concerned. And so I will be addressing a letter to the governor asking her for additional resources for these individuals who are being evicted, and more importantly, a plan of action. This money was doled out to people because we felt that it was an emergency. People needed these funds. But in some cases, these people didn't need the funds. And in some cases, people stopped working their jobs. They just went and said, I'm not going to pay my rent. It's unfair to those mom and pop landlords who are just hanging on by a thread because they probably were in trouble themselves. So I won't throw out the baby with the bathwater, but I will look for more information to help those who need help. So this emergency meeting is going to be taking place on Thursday. Um, I'm open to people's um, solutions and ideas because at the end of the day, I'm not trying to hurt anyone, but I am not going to try to sit here and just let something happen without doing something. Um, so I don't have a, re re a knee-jerk reaction to this. I am going to be listening to other organizations about how we can approach this. And again, we have this panel of folks that really are in the trenches with this. Um, I've heard that our um, homeless population is increasing because of this. Um, there's a lot of things happening that we're not hearing about, but I want to sound the alarm. Instead of, instead of us sitting and complaining, what can we do constructively to help people in these situations? Because we just can't have people on the streets. We know that we're one of the third poorest city, street cities in our country of our size, and we have to do something. Um, it's unfortunate how things went. Things were done haphazardly, I can say, um, but we thought we were doing something to help those in need. What we created may have been a monster. Um, we're going to have a tsunami of evictions. What do we do about that? So again, I'm looking forward to this meeting on Thursday and look forward to hearing from the, the folks who are on Zoom to uh, what their ideas and their opinions are. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Okay. Thank you. I believe we have two speakers. I believe it, Ms. Collins is here, and uh, we have somebody, uh, Mr. Feist, on Zoom. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for listening to me and giving me an opportunity. I just wanted to give you the perspective from a property manager, landlord, owner point of view. Um, when the eviction moratorium began, um, our residents stopped paying their rent. Even though they live in subsidized housing, that's all they needed to do was meet with our staff and get recertified and they would have gotten more funding. Um, they didn't do that. They continue to not pay the rent. And although we have money coming in from HUD, that's only enough for us to pay our mortgage. It doesn't give us enough money to pay for the staff, for the repairs, and then we get a bad name on the news for not making necessary repairs because we don't have the funds. And as far as working with the tenants, we are bending over backwards to try to work with our tenants. We are asking them, please, just pay the current month's rent going forward. We'll worry about the back rent later. Just pay the current month's rent. And because the courts are overwhelmed with evictions, they refuse to do that because they know. I have no other opinion on that other than it's a choice for them not to pay the rent because they know that they can't get evicted. So I would like you to reconsider your position. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, and I believe we have somebody on Zoom. Hello, my name is Deanna Eason. 
I'm the executive director of Housing Opportunities Made Equal. And I just want to say that we definitely appreciate uh, Council Member Wyatt and his feelings. And, and we also feel that the um, evictions um, numbers in the 14215 are outrageous. It seems like that zip code is frequently uh, hit pretty hard, if not one of the hardest hit in the city of Buffalo whenever these types of situations occur. Um, we're grateful that he has made this crisis a focus and, you know, along with partners in the community, we just want to help try to find some resolution. We all know there's a problem and there's a problem that needs to be addressed and we just want to work together, landlords and tenants and, you know, community partners and the council to figure out what's best for the um, homeowners and the um, home seekers of the 14215. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Is that the only one? Or is there one more? Uh, we have Nathan Feist sign up as well. Okay. Yeah, hi, Nathan Feist. I'm an Ellicott resident, a renter. And um, I like to thank Mr. Wyatt for bringing attention to the outsize eviction rates of 14215. Um, I think that there are better solutions to this, both for tenants and for landlords. And I think the city should work with. Um, a coalition of over 80 organizations called Housing Justice for All, which proposes these solutions. And uh, they would benefit and are sorely needed by all the zip codes in the city. And um, I would love to see the council take on legislation rather than resolutions to solve this. Thank you. All right, thank you. Uh, oh, sorry, Mr. President. Oh. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And um, I, 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 two thing, three things. One is I hope that this item goes over to the Affordable Housing Task Force because we have put together a real task force and a heavy, heavy in knowledge and with citizens that I think needs to look at this. Second of all is there's a difference between a, a good landlord who is being stiffed because I saw that over and over. And I heard, not from so, at times from landlords, but from people who literally took advantage of some landlords and spent money, and for whatever reason, they didn't pay their rent. And uh, then it left landlords out there, and then when the landlords finally, many of them got new tenants in, they did have to raise the rent to pick up the pieces from the people who abuse the system. I know it personally because I know we have residents the same thing. We literally would try to hand walk them through the process to do the paperwork and they would not respond to the management office. So I feel for landlords. But there's a second side of this and that's the landlords that are raising rents just to evict. And I think that's really one of the biggest problems. So my heart goes out to all of these landlords who took care of their properties, who were there and attentive, and who had people take advantage of them. It wasn't fair. Um, but the, the flip side that I think we need to look at in this is we got a lot of landlords right now, and I say it if I'm right or wrong, many of who do not live in our city, who are buying properties, I know in Ellicott, buying properties, people are already occupying them, they go up so high on the rent that the people cannot stay there. And so then they get evicted and it's on purpose. There's no way you're gonna tell me your rent, you were charging $100, $800 in a month and this truly happened. And come back to a tenant for $1,400 and it, it, it just, and that's why we have this task force. So I just wanted to uh, make sure it goes to the task force so that something is worked out that is fair to good landlords who don't deserve not to. And thank you for holding this, sending this to committee uh, before having the council have to make a decision on that uh, because I think that's very important. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Mr. Chair, yeah, thank Mr. you. Thank you again. And I thank the woman who is the landlord for coming and speaking um, because, again, we're not trying to hurt anyone. And as council president said, we do know that there are people who were irresponsible. And now we're in a situation. Um, I think we, most of us are compassionate. We don't want to see people out on the streets, um, but we have to do something. 
Um, I am going to be in support of the good cause eviction. I, I was one of the supporters early on because I do know that there are people who are just increasing rents and forcing people to move. It's unfair. Um, but again, working with organizations like HOME and other agencies, I hope we can collectively come, and as well as the Common Council's task force, up with a remedy to address this um, because we want the right thing for our citizens. Um, but we just can't let people take advantage of those who are already vulnerable, and those are some of the landlords that are dealing with this situation. So it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act, but I think working together, we can come up with something. And again, thank you, Council President and our, my colleagues for the task force. I think that's going to be a huge help. And please, if we can send this to the um, Housing Task Force. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Mr. Wingo. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I uh, have sat and listened to many folks on both sides. And again, just to uh, share the same sentiment as my colleague, my heart does go out to those folks who are literally working uh, day and night to maintain properties uh, to ensure that folks have somewhere clean and decent and affordable to live. But a few years ago, we did draft a resolution for rent stabilization so that if rent is increased, that it does not increase but for by a certain percentage. And the good cause eviction uh, speaks to that. I'm, 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 again, I'm a major proponent of hearing both sides, and I have members in my church who literally uh, have almost gone bankrupt because, again, just as the young lady spoke earlier, um, there are people who refused to pay their rent. They refused to apply for the ERAP services. They refuse to even allow the landlord to finish the application so the landlord can be reimbursed for non-paid rent. This is a very sensitive subject, very sensitive topic, because we're talking about people's homes, number one. And then number two, we're talking about folks' main source or stream of income. So this is a very sensitive topic, and I hope that moving forward, uh, and I appreciate Councilmember Wyatt saying that we're not going to move forward with any knee-jerk reaction, but we're going to try to make sure that we hear both sides. That is much appreciated because I want to make sure that no one is of the impression that we are just doing this uh, because we want to stop folks from getting evicted. But we are listening to both sides of the aisle. We do want to hear from the landlords and the property managers so that, again, we could support whatever uh, laws that are out there would hopefully make things more equitable for people who do have to rent uh, property. Again, like the rent stabilization and other things that we've supported in the past and resolutions that we've written to show the state that we support some of the laws that are being written. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Okay, thank you. Motion to table. Motion is to table, seconded by Councilmember Wyatt. Mr. Chair, do, do we? Do we need to make sure we send it oh, to? Yeah, I'm sorry. We're sending to send we're, it to the. Um, yeah, motion to rescind the previous motion, seconded by Mr. Scanlon. Motion is to committee. send it to the affordable affordable housing committee. housing committee task force. Task seconded, force. seconded by Mr. Scanlon. Take from the table items seven, eight, twenty, forty-eight, and fifty-three. Motion to take from the table items seven, eight, twenty, forty-eight, and fifty-three, uh, seconded by Mr. Pridgen. Item 7, police policy brief on snow removal around bus stops. Items open. Okay, this item is open. We have someone to speak on this? No, not here. We can motion a table. Motion a table, seconded I by Mr. Bowman. Item. item 8, concerns hazardous condition, 190 Stevens. Items open. Uh, this item is open. Uh, Ms. Jones in attendance to speak. We'll motion to table. Motion to table, seconded by uh, Mr. Wyatt. Item 20, set public hearing for 110 and 118 South Park. Motion to receive and file items 20, 48. And 53. Motion to receive and file items 20, 48, and 53, seconded by uh, Mr. Scanlon. Motion to adjourn. And motion to adjourn.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.